This episode is brought to you by Paycor, the HR and payroll software made for leaders. It's never been harder to recruit, hire, and engage workers. That's why HR leaders and frontline managers depend on Paycor for all things people management, from onboarding and performance reviews to compensation and benefits. Learn more at paycor.com slash leaders. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I'm Bryson Carver, and I bet you, for the streaming audience, for the podcast audience, if you're listening, you can switch over to YouTube or anywhere just to see at least what I'm uh, in today. Uh, this is a combination I didn't think you'd ever you didn't think you'd ever see before, did you? <laughs> a Cowboys jersey with a cheese head. Now, thank God Almighty. This is the last day in the history of carving up I ever got to wear this garbage on my head ever again. Okay? So, my stupid butt, bet, my sister, for those of you that are new, welcome. My stupid behind bet my sister that the Packers would lose to the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. They did not, uh, just for the record. Also, for those of you that don't know, I, that are new, I'm not a Cowboys fan. I'm a Dak Prescott fan. I made that very clear. Anyways, um, but... It's the last, I, I bet that if the, the Packers uh, won the game, that I have to wear this on my head for all three shows. These, this is the last of these three shows. Thank goodness. Okay, I, I can't take this anymore. First of all, and I was paying real attention that game last night to uh, to the fans at Lambeau Field that were wearing cheese heads. I, I guess they really do have flatheads in Wisconsin. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's in the genetics. Of I, I don't get it. Uh, the, 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 the anatomy of the, the, the human skull of people born in Wisconsin. I don't understand it, but apparently it fits their head pretty well. Mine. I mean, I, it's, it's, it's shallow. It's crazy shallow. So if you, if you see me readjusting it, like I said, you, you know why? Cause it's, it's so freaking uncomfortable. You have no idea. Not just uncomfortable to look at or have to look you guys in the eye and have to see it, but also just for it to stay on my head. Then again, my head may be the problem. That's totally out there. But we do have a packed show for you guys today. <laughs> another Russell Wilson story coming out of Denver. We got another one, folks. And this one's one of the worst ones. I'll discuss that. And of course, week 11 is upon us. We are coming up on the Sunday before Thanksgiving. It is, it is at this point in the year where we know the haves and we know the have-nots. Who's good and who's not. Okay, I'll have my upset of the week. I'll have my If I Were a Betting Man, which is my favorite segment every week. And, of course, my new segment, which I debuted this football season, Bryson's Bleak Bet. It's the one game a week that I have absolutely no confidence in, but I have to uh, predict. I've been pretty hot in my Bryson's Bleak Bet games as of late. Actually, I think uh, my upset of the week, or is it my upset? Yeah, my uh, upset of the week and my Bryson's Bleak Bet, as it stands right now, I've got a better record in both than if I were a betting man. That is why I put the emphasis on if. 
because I'm not a betting man. If I were a betting man, though, stay tuned for that. Predicting every single Sunday game in Week 11. We got to start with last night, though. And what was one of the bigger marquee Thursday night games of the season, one of the bigger uh, matchups, just period of the season. You have the Tennessee Titans going to Lambeau Field to take on the Packers, who were three-point favorites. They lost the game by 10, 27 to 17. Uh, I will certainly get to Tennessee because they deserve their due share. Okay, I, I, I have a lot to say in regards to, in particular, quarterback and the coach of the Tennessee Titans. Because at the end of the day, if you're not good in either, you can't win a Super Bowl. You, you can't even contend for a Super Bowl. But as far as Green Bay... I did pick them to win this game by exactly what they were favored by, three. I had them winning this game 23-20. to 20. I figured the weather would be advantage of Green Bay. I figured being at Lambeau, it's hard to go to Lambeau and win. Not many teams have done it. Uh, only two teams, I'm sorry, yeah, now two teams this year have done it. The Jets and now the Titans. It's a very hard thing to do to go to Lambeau Field and win a football game. But be that as it may, I said they've got the quarterback advantage. Both teams run the ball well, so that's a wash. Both defenses are beat up, and it's a short week. And at the end of the day, it was Ryan Tannehill who outplayed Aaron Rodgers, which was a shock to everybody. And it was Mike Vrabel who outcoached Matt LaFleur, who's that, which was a shock to literally nobody if, if you actually watch football. But Aaron Rodgers, I, I got to say, his stat line isn't just glaring like, oh, God, he played awful, right? 24 30 for uh, 39, 227, two touchdowns, no turnovers, a QBR of 53, and a pass rating of 94. Those are okay numbers. Those are middle-of-the-pack quarterback numbers. I am here to tell you, folks, that if you watch that game, he played significantly worse than his numbers would suggest. Significantly worse. How many throws in that game, <clears throat> excuse me, did Aaron Rodgers miss? He missed Lazard numerous times. He missed on a huge third down late in the fourth quarter. Missed Sammy Watkins, who was open by five yards. I mean, he was off his game all night. I've had a lot of criticisms of Aaron Rodgers this season in terms of his leadership, in terms of his commitment. I've never criticized Aaron Rodgers for his accuracy. I mean, even on the field, I've criticized him for pushing the not pushing the ball down the field enough. In this case, he was off. He missed some key, key throws, which credit to Aaron, I'll give, give credit where credit's due. He did own that after the game. He said, I missed throws. And he did. He missed some wide open throws in that game. And it goes back to something that just continues to, to baffle me about Matt LaFleur. I don't, I'm telling you, when people try to elevate this guy into a, 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 an upper level of coaches, the Shanahan's, the Andy Reeds, the Sean McVay's, heck, the Brian Dables, who badly outcoached him in London. We saw how that turned out on a Sunday morning back in week five. When people try to elevate Matt LaFleur into that category, I ask a simple question. What has he done to prove that he's in that? Well, he's won 13 games. Yeah, he's got Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams for three of those years. It's, it's hard. In a bad division, by the way. Okay, Minnesota couldn't get their act together in terms of not being able to build a, a, a consistent defense. Kirk Cousins didn't, and the relationship with him and Mike Zimmer wasn't great. Injuries to Dalvin Cook, there was a lot of problems in Minnesota. Detroit was bad and is still bad. Chicago just now seems like they found their quarterback in that stretch that Matt LaFleur became the head coach. <laughs> Literally, Sunday, which I've been banging the table all season, I'm like, Matt. Or Coach LaFleur, let's pay him his respects, call him Coach. Coach LaFleur, you know the weak link of your entire football team is wide receiver. Yes, Christian Watts has come on as of late. He actually had uh, two more touchdowns yesterday, or last night, which 
Christian Watson all of a sudden has been like the one bright spot for the Packers. But as a group, all in all, as far as injuries, as far as lack of depth, heck, as, as far as talent is concerned, Green Bay Packers aren't very good at wide receiver. Randall Cobb is old and injured. Sammy Watkins struggles to separate. Okay, that's why Baltimore moved on from him, and they're better for it. Okay, you've got Romeo Dobbs, who's shown you flashes, but he's still a kid. Christian Watson, up until these last few games, has been terrible. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's just a mess. What do you have, though? A really good offensive line and one of the better running back duos in football in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. <laughs> And they ran the ball 19 times. And that game, it wasn't a situation where, like, where the Packers were down big and then just had to come back just to make it a game. Like, kind of like what they did against Buffalo, right? They were down big. Green Bay did a decent job in the second half, clawing their way back into Aaron Rodgers played all right. They ran the ball well. No. This is a game well within reach all night long. Didn't commit to the run. Again. You know Aaron Rodgers is having a career worst year. That is in part because your receiving unit might be the worst in football. But you got no line and two really good running backs. And by the way, for the record, it isn't a situation where you're like the Cleveland Browns where Cleveland doesn't fear Jacoby. I'm sorry, opposing defenses do not fear Jacoby Brissett, nor should they. He's a good quarterback. He is nowhere near Aaron Rodgers. And the Browns still, you know, they're going to load the box to try and stop Nick Chubb. They can't. They can't because the Browns have a great offensive line. Nick Chubb is a top three running back in the NFL. That, that, that's what it ultimately comes down to. For the Packers, it doesn't matter how bad Aaron Rodgers is playing. Trust me, defensive coordinators around the NFL still fear Aaron Rodgers. Take advantage of that. Run a few draw plays here and there. Take get you know If it's a second and, and 12, say you just lost two. If it's a second and 12, line up and shotgun and run a simple draw play. How hard is that? Set up Aaron in the play action. Again, not to say Aaron deserves no blame because, folks, you guys know how hard I've been on Aaron this season. And he did not play well last night. But let's stop acting like the coaches are putting, not just Aaron, but the entire team as a whole in position to succeed. Matt LaFleur is the number one reason why I said the Packers would miss the playoffs this season, and that's exactly what's going to happen. So, what's, what's, what's the future hold for Green Bay? Well, their schedule from this point forward is brutal. <laughs> they got to go at Philadelphia. <laughs> you think they're winning that? I don't. They got to go to Chicago. Now, Aaron Rodgers, as he himself said a year ago after scoring a touchdown at Soldier Field, I still own you. And by the way, you think he owns the Cowboys, and he does. Look at his, his, his record and his numbers against the Chicago Bears. It's mind-blowing. So he still owns the Bears. They should win that game. Then they got home against the Rams. I don't know. Could the Rams get healthy by that point? Then they got road on Christmas Day against the Miami Dolphins. They're definitely not winning that game. Home against Minnesota, New Year's Day. They're definitely not winning that game. And then they got a home against the Detroit Lions. By that point, they, they will be out of playoff contention. So I say right now, if you're Green Bay, what is the solution? First of all, you move on from Matt LaFleur after the end of the season. You move on. What has he shown you that he could take you to the promised land as a head coach. He's, he's shown you nothing. Heck, Mike, Mike McCarthy at least got a ring and put you in position numerous times, along with Aaron Rodgers, of course, to win championships. And that's the standard in Green Bay. The, the trophy is, after all, named after their legendary Hall of Fame head coach. That's the standard. Heck, they call it title town. So you move on from Matt, Matt LaFleur at the end of the season. It doesn't work. Next week, 
against Philadelphia. You play Aaron Rodgers because maybe hope against hope. You win that game. You're still in playoff contention. I don't think you will. So after Philadelphia, you start Jordan Love. You got five, how many, yeah, five games left in the season after that. You start Jordan Love. You see what he's got. He's only started one game in the NFL. He's played in two in, you know, in meaningful snaps because he played last year against Detroit in the last game of the regular season. See what he's got. Hasn't been all that promising thus far, but maybe by year three, you're like, oh, okay, he's, he's got something here. And if Jordan Love is good, great. You got your quarterback for the next 10 years. If he's not, then you're probably going to lose all of, if not most of those games and get a high draft pick. Then what do you do? You move on from Aaron Rodgers. That cap hit, you've seen Aaron Rodgers' cap hit in about two or three years. Holy moly, it's, 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 more, than, uh, you know, it, it, it's more than what Elon Musk bought Twitter for, for crying out loud. Even though Elon is trying to take down Twitter. Anyways, with Aaron Rodgers, you move on from him, you move on from that cap hit, and you get numerous draft picks and go to a full rebuild. I get Packers fans are not exactly used to rebuilds. They, they, again, like I mentioned, the standard is championships in Green Bay. That has been the case for literally 30 years straight with Brett Favre and then you go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. That doesn't happen. Okay. You don't go, you don't go from Joe Montana to Steve Young. You darn sure don't go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. You play, you play Rodgers against Philadelphia because you don't want to put Jordan Love out there. He gets beat up. You hurt his confidence. Put Aaron Rodgers out there for Philadelphia. In all likelihood, you lose. And then the last five games, you start Jordan Love. If he works, great, you've got your quarterback. If he doesn't, you lose almost all of those games. If not all those games, you get a high draft pick. And obviously, to me, clearly, you move on from Matt LaFleur after the season. It's as simple as that. And you try and get as young as possible. Because Green Bay, part of their issue is age. Randall Cobb's getting up there in age. Uh, you know, you got guys, Bakhtiari is not getting any younger. He's dealt with injuries. So, Sammy Watkins is definitely getting up there, although I believe he'll be a free agent next year, so it won't matter anyway. Uh, it's The good news is for Green Bay, after their season, this there is a way out of this in terms of finding out what the next steps are. Move on from the coach, see what you have in love, make your decisions depending on how he plays, and you trade Aaron Rodgers and get Lord knows what compensation for that. Hey, look how it worked for the Seattle Seahawks trading Russell Wilson, who I'm about to talk about in about five minutes. Look, look how that worked for Seattle. Worked out pretty good, right? With all those draft picks and how they've hit on almost all of them. I'm just throwing that out there. That's the good news for Green Bay. This season's over. They're not making the playoffs. Sitting there at four and seven with that schedule, they're not making the playoffs. But there is still hope, thankfully, if you're a Packers fan. Which, by the way, I'm not. I'm wearing cheese head because I lost a bet just for those of you that are just tuning in. As for Tennessee, because I do want to get them, give the winners of this game their shine. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, this was one of the best games of Ryan Tannehill's career. No, no, without a question. He, th he throws only five incomplete passes on 27 attempts, 333, two touchdowns. He did have a really bad interception in which Douglas made a great break on the football in the fourth quarter. Outside of that, he was almost flawless. QBR 77, pass rating of 127. A Derrick Henry threw a touchdown, that trick play. Uh, it's like the, the Tebow jump pass type play. I love that they've ran that a few times. Derrick Henry, actually, that exact same play, they ran that against the Ravens when they upset Baltimore in the 2019 postseason. Remember when Derrick Henry was running for like, felt like 200 yards a game and Tannehill's had to throw like two passes? Okay. Like they, you know, they, they've, they've relied on that play down, down in the red zone quite a few times. And it's been a pretty successful for them to their credit. But, you know, like I said earlier, 
coming into this segment. If you don't, if you got the, because the most important components of a football team in terms of on the field, quarterback, coach. Okay, you, you can have, I mean, listen, Aaron Donald has arguably over the last decade been the best player in the NFL. Nobody talked about him for up, up, up until about five years ago. Why is that? Because his quarterback, whoever it was at that time, it was a lot of guys, stunk. And his head coach, love him as a man, but not as a coach, Jeff Fisher, stunk. Nobody talked about Aaron Donald. Okay, Aaron Donald is a great player, first bout Hall of Famer. He's a defensive tackle. There's only so much impact he can have on the game. Quarterback, coach. Well, we have our numerous concerns about Ryan Tannehill. We're like, okay, the games that Tennessee has won in the postseason, he's done next to nothing. They've it's literally been just don't screw it up. We 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 don't need you to do anything. Literally, just don't screw it up, and we'll win. And the games where they ask him, hey Ryan, we need you to make a few throws here. He hasn't done that in the postseason or in the biggest of games. Okay. And as for Mike Vrabel. We're like, crap, since he's been in Tennessee, he, he's been outstanding, right? He goes 9-7 and seven his first year, although they missed the playoffs in part due to a late-season injury to Marcus Mariota. Year two, they get to the AFC Championship game. Year three, they won the division. Year four, they have the number one seed. So, Tennessee, you can, and shame on me for not picking these guys to win the division. That's a well-run organization, great ownership, great GM, phenomenal, in my opinion, phenomenal head coach. Look how Vrabel's changed the culture. Look at, you know, you you know a coach is is good when not just he's out scheming the opposition, whoever the other coach is on the other sideline, but his players love him. You see him dapping up Derrick Henry on the sideline and he's celebrating with the guy. They love him. Okay, reason, and you say, well, what about Dan Campbell? Detroit's players love him. They do love him. I'd love Dan Campbell if he's my coach. But in terms of schematics, he's not even in the same galaxy as Mike Vrabel. So, and what he's done, again, I brought up this a couple times on my show yesterday. The fact that they almost beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium without getting a second half first down. Think about that. Is remarkable. How many coaches could pull that off? I mean, I could count that on my hand. So it's 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 remarkable what this guy's done in terms of changing the culture in Tennessee, how those guys buy into everything he's selling. And when Ryan Tannehill gives you games like that, that's a legit Super Bowl contender. And as it stands right now, amazingly, last year's number one seed, who started 0-2 this year, they got a chance to be the number one seed again. You look at Tennessee's schedule, folks. Uh, it's not exactly uh, terrifying. Bengals at home, that's, the, listen, if, if you like Joe Burrow better than Ryan Tannehill, I don't blame you, obviously, but head coach matchup favors Tennessee, and there's a lot to be said about a team that loses in heartbreaking fashion in the postseason and plays them again the following season. Okay, that's a revenge game for Tennessee. They will be ready to go. By the way, they'll be extra rested and have three extra days to game plan for Cincinnati. Okay, I'm a favor Tennessee. They got to go to Philly. That's a tough one. Coin flip, though. Okay, they got home against Jacksonville. They should win that. At the Chargers, given the, the coaching matchup, which is not even a contest between Vrabel and Staley, given the personnel and the matchups, all favors Tennessee. They should beat the Chargers. Home against the Texans, they will beat them because Derrick Henry owns the Texans. Okay, they got a home game against Dallas. I would favor them to beat the Cowboys. And then road date at Jacksonville. 
Now, they're not going to win all those games, obviously. I, I, at least I don't assume. I, I'd, I'd be surprised if the Tennessee Titans finished 14-3. and three, But who's put it past them? They missed five starters defensively on the road, a weather disadvantage. And they win by, by double digits? It's testament to Mike Vrabel. It's 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 a you know credit to Ryan Tannehill and how he played. I've been pretty I've been critical at times, although I have defended Ryan Tannehill at times in the show. I do think he's a franchise quarterback. I just don't know if he's a guy who um, can go toe to toe, especially in that conference in the postseason with guys like Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Lamar. I mean, two of those guys have seen him lose to in the playoffs. I'm sorry, three of those guys have seen him lose to in the playoffs. That being Mahomes, Lamar, and Burrow. That's my only concern, but. If Derrick Henry keeps playing like the best back in football, which he still is, if that defense keeps making big plays at big times in the game, if Ryan Tannehill, he don't even have to give you 333 and a 127 passer rating. If he gives you 240, 250, doesn't turn the ball over, converts in the red zone, you don't want to see this team in the playoffs because they're going to win the AFC South going away. And who knows? They, they, they very well could get home field advantage throughout the entire playoffs once again. And I expect, given how last year went, they'll be a tougher out than they were a year ago when they lost to Cincinnati. So props to the Tennessee Titans flying high right now. And are they a Super Bowl contender today? Yes. Absolutely. Because here's the thing about Tennessee that I don't know about other teams in that conference as stacked as the AFC is and as many great quarterbacks in the AFC. There's not that many teams in the AFC where I know what I'm getting. With Kansas, I know what I'm getting from Kansas City. Mahomes is phenomenal. They've got an explosive offense. Andy Reid is going to out-scheme and out-game plan just about every other coach in the league. And defensively, they tend to play big in the biggest moments, at least in the Mahomes-Reid era. Okay? Uh, Baltimore. I know what Lamar's giving me. I know he's going to be effective through the air, through the ground. John Harbaugh's won a Super Bowl as a head coach. Everywhere else, I know what I'm getting from Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. I don't know what the heck I'm getting from Zach Taylor, the head coach. Everybody loves Buffalo. I don't, I don't know if Buffalo is going to. Heck, I don't even know if Buffalo is going to win their division. The third right now behind Miami and the Jets. I don't know what Josh Allen's going to give me. I don't know if they're going to completely, again, abandon the run game. That's It's up, up, up for grabs, up in the air. I know what I'm getting for Tennessee. Derrick Henry is going to be phenomenal. The Titans defense, <laughs> banged up as it may be is going to be ready to go because Mike Vrabel is a defensive head coach after all. And they're always going to be prepared. That's what I'm getting from Tennessee. That is a Super Bowl contender that you saw last night. You could dismiss it and say, well, they beat a bad Green Bay Packers team, and they did. But what does the eye test tell you? Heck, what does their record tell you? I mean, guys, they started 0-2, lost in heartbreaking fashion to the Giants, which at that time we didn't know how good the Giants were going to be. And then they lost, I mean, just got hammered by Buffalo the following Monday night. They've lost one game since that point. Since late November, the Tennessee Titans have lost a single football game. And in that game, Mahomes had to throw 68 passes. Malik Willis was the quarterback, not Ryan Tannehill. And they didn't get a second half first down. The game still went to overtime. What if they convert? What if they put together just one drive and win that game? Tennessee sitting here at eight and two. That's a Super Bowl contender without a question. Props to the Titans. Let's move on to a team that I will never forgive myself for picking them to not go to the Super Bowl, but to win the Super Bowl. I got to get a drink for this one because a sip of Gatorade because this one, I'll never forgive myself for this. 
Denver Broncos. Let's ride. Um, by the way, I, before I get to Denver, uh, if you want to know how, you know, I, I know these Packers fans are, have been all over me this week. It's, it's been quite, it's actually broke my heart a little bit. And it, it's been, it's just been terrible. Uh, if you want to know Packer fans, how your quarterback is feeling right now, uh, take a listen to what Aaron Rodgers did after the game. Where do you go from here, Aaron? Home. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 uh, that's where Aaron and the Packers are going to be. Heck that might be where Aaron's going to be. He's going to be home for the holidays. Cause after Philadelphia, I'm not sure Aaron plays another game as a green Bay Packer. Let me totally, totally real with y'all. Where does he go? I'm going to save that for the off season. Those, that's an off-season topic. I want to stay in the season. We're near Thanksgiving. This is my favorite time of year, not just in terms of the holiday season and, and everything, but in terms of football, this is where it's at. The playoff chase in the NFL is just um, amazing, especially with the extra week now, with week eight, week 18 added, the second year of us having a week 18. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. But let's talk about the Broncos, and I'm, it, it's amazing that the situation there just progressively gets worse year in and year out. It's, it's incredible. So this was from uh, uh, Tyler Columbus, who's a former NFL offensive lineman, both with the Seahawks and the Broncos, although he, for clarification, he was never a teammate of Russell Wilson's. But he was he was on the radio he, in, in Denver. He's on a radio station in Denver, 92.5 FM, Altitude Sports Radio Denver, yesterday. Or, yeah, no, I'm sorry, Wednesday. And he said, quote, probably over the last two or three weeks, you've had Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett have their first real marital problems on the philosophy of the offense. There's been some behind-the-scenes conversations about those disagreements and how they should be calling plays. Watch this, guys. More concerning to me, though, Russell Wilson is losing his mind out there. He's losing his mind. He's at the line of scrimmage using audibles from the Seahawks. The guys don't know what the audibles are. He's using code words, and guys don't know what the code words are. They're coming back to the huddle like, dude, what are you saying out there? We don't know what that is. He's losing his mind right now. I don't even know what to say to that. So, Russell Wilson is calling audibles. He's going to the line of scrimmage. And if he doesn't like what he sees out there, he changes the play using the Seahawks terminology, not the Broncos. I've <laughs> look, I know I'm young guys. I'm 19 years old. I've been an NFL fan for about a decade. I've never heard of this in my life. I've I've never, I've never heard of this in my life. A quarterback switches teams. And he uses the terminology of his previous destination at his new destination. I mean, it's unbelievable. It is. It's Russell Wilson. I'm not even kidding right now, folks. I'm not even kidding when I say this. It's starting to become the corny version, the corny NFL version of Kyrie Irving. Except he, and, and a nice guy too, but Russell's a much better guy than Kyrie. But that's what he's becoming. What do I mean by that? It's something every week with this guy. It, 
Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch don't diss nobody. Matter of fact, in this said diss at Russell Wilson, in the same interview he actually said to Richard Sherman on Richard Sherman's podcast about a month and a half ago, he said, man, if Russell, if Russell needs anything, man, I'm here. Like, I, I'm always going to be here for my brother. Like, I, we won a Super Bowl together. We went to another Super Bowl together. I'm always here for my brother, Russell Wilson. That's what Marshawn said. Marshawn don't diss anybody. <laughs> and he revealed, and Richard Sherman added, he's like, yeah, that, that's true. He did. Russell Wilson, in order to contact him in Seattle, and I can't imagine this isn't the case in Denver now that he has more power in Denver. If you want to contact Russell Wilson, you cannot text him. You cannot call him. You got to do that to his agent. I don't know who Russell's agent is or, or what, what agency is fr he's from. You got you to call Russell's agent. You, you can't just, hey, bro, what's up? Can't call Russell. He also, according to a report in Denver, has his own office. That I've never heard of. Tom Brady in 20 years and six Super Bowls, never in an office in New England. Aaron Rodgers, all the power he has in Green Bay. He has just as many Super Bowls as Russ. Unlike Russ, he has a Super Bowl MVP. He ain't got an office in Green Bay. Mahomes doesn't have an office in Kansas City. Uh, Breeze never had an office in New Orleans. What is this? You got the high knees in the plane. Now you got a, a, an offensive lineman saying that Russell uses terminology and jargon from the Seahawks with the Broncos? Yeah, I got to admit, I, I, I got to agree with Columbus here. He's losing his mind. It is official. Russell Wilson is officially losing it. He has become the nicer, cornier version in the NFL of Kyrie Irving. You know, we talk, I talk about Kyrie. Oh, it's always something with Kyrie. It's, it's, it's either controversy or he's a bad teammate or he's not contributing to winning at the level that a guy of his talent should contribute. That's Russell Wilson. Which, I mean, I'll give Kyrie this. Kyrie is a much better basketball player than Russell is a football player. Kyrie can drop 50 any given night. He's got the best handle in the NBA. What's Russell got the best? Uh, what's Russell the best at in the NFL? Corny TikToks? Making money? Arrogance? He's well, he's in a competition with Kyler and Aaron Rodgers for that, but it's it's mind-boggling. It is something every week with this guy. And listen, does Nathaniel Hackett deserve blame? Yes. Would the Broncos have a better record if Sean Payton was coaching the Broncos as opposed to Nathaniel Hackett? Of course. Nathaniel Hackett is going to lose his job either during the season or after the season. He is clearly in over his head, does not know what he's doing. By week two, by the second game of his NFL head coaching career, he had to hire a guy to help him manage the game. That, that, that showed right to that. Okay, he, he, does, he doesn't know what he's doing. But it's, I, I don't care what anybody says. In terms of blame, it's 50-50. Hackett doesn't know what he's doing. Russell was the guy they brought in. Gave up all their draft capital. Gave up two starters, Noah Fant and is it was Shelby Harrison? I think it's his name. I forgot the, the defensive lineman's name for Seattle, who's playing really good right now. And they gave Russell an extension that was going to pay him a quarter of a billion dollars. 
And he is the quarterback of the 31st ranked offense in the NFL. And you see why with the way these, with what these reports are saying. It's like I go back to it, and I've, I've never done a 180 on any athlete in the history of Carving Up Live that I've done on Russell Wilson. You guys know I used to be a huge Russell fan. I, I mean, so much so I literally picked the Broncos to win the Super Bowl. But what caught my eye after Denver lost to Seattle on that week one Monday night game, two Seahawks went to Russell Wilson after the game. Two. When Tom Brady went back to New England, the whole freaking sideline went to see him. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card. It gives you unlimited daily cash back that can earn 4.15% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account. A high-yield, low-effort way to grow your money with no fees. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone to start earning and growing your daily cash with savings today. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings is available to Apple Card owners. Subject to eligibility. Savings accounts by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Terms apply. That told me a lot. I'm not so sure if Aaron Rodgers does possibly get traded this season and say whatever team he's at goes to Lambeau Field in 2023. I'm not so sure that you wouldn't have more than two people come up and say, hey, what's up, bro? How you doing? Tells me a lot. Tell you, you can only hide it for so long who you really are. And this, it's it's hard to really have a a reaction and a just how do you how do you break this down? Like of all the reports about Russell, of all that we've seen on the field, I mean, even even the the who do, who Denver played Denver actually played the Tennessee Titans, who I just got finished talking about. They played Tennessee on Sunday. Did you see some of those sideline shots? Did you see some of those uh, where, where I think Fox did the game, Fox CBS, whoever did the game. Those sideline shots of Russell Wilson, all alone on the bench. Who's that remind you of? Jay Cutler, Kyler Murray. I mean, you see some of these these shots of these dirty looks that teammates are giving him. Like Mel, remember that infamous Melvin Gordon where he's looking at Russ like, "Man, you trash." That's the look he gave Russell back in I think it was week five. Yeah, you only hide who you are for so long. I've I've never been more fooled, and I've never done a 180 on any athlete on carving it up the way I have Russell Wilson. I, I've I've I, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen a guy who his first ten years in the NFL is clearly without a doubt one of the ten best quarterbacks in the league. Arguably, at one point around like 2018, 19, 20, around that point you can make a very compelling argument given stats and given wins that Russell was one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. Just three years ago, some argued Russell over Lamar for MVP. And now, I'm not sure he's a starter. You tell me. You look at his numbers. And if you don't put up, I always said, it, if you don't put up great numbers, you got to at least be likable. Because if you stink, <clears throat> excuse me, 
Got to at least be likable. Think about a guy like Tim Tebow. I, I love Tim Tebow as a human being. He, he, I think he's one of, the, one of the best human beings that this earth has to provide. Honest to God, I do. Tim Tebow was a crappy quarterback. He sucked. Completed 47% of his pass. There was a game I remember back in 2011. He didn't complete a pass until the third quarter. That's how bad Tim Tebow was. But you know why the Broncos got in that winning streak? Went 7-4 and four in 2011 with Tebow. Won the division. Won a playoff game over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those teammates, his Broncos teammates, totally bought into him. Because he was committed. He brought great leadership to the table. They loved Tebow. They stuck with Tebow. They defended Tebow to the media. You seen a Broncos teammate defend Russell Wilson this season? I haven't. Because they looked at him like, okay, this is the missing piece. We're like Tampa Bay a few years ago when it's like, oh, we got the talent on defense. We got Mike Evans, who's one of the best receivers in football. Bruce Arians is a great offensive coach, and we got all this talent, and we're drafting these really good young players. But Jameis Winston can't get us there. Oh, but Tom Brady can, and he did year one. I guarantee you those Broncos players were like, oh, here we go. Man, we got Russell Wilson. It's like, oh, the one thing we're missing, we didn't have a quarterback. We had Brock Osweiler and Drew Locke and all these guys. And then we got Russell. Yeah, it's actually worse with Russell. And a lot of that, talent, not talent. He's, well, he's, he's, I think Russell is talented. But in terms of production, he's been worse than some of his predecessors that was the quarterbacks of the, that was the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. In terms of leadership, he's even worse. It's remarkable. I, I've never seen anything like it. He's calling the Seahawks audibles to his Broncos teammates. It's mind-boggling. And Denver's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, they're at home, but they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Sorry, I'm, like, scratching my head. This this thing is so itchy. That foam on hair, on hair, just it just doesn't go together, guys. You guys know I usually wear hats, like my DAC hat or my Red Sox hat or... Uh, my grid hat. By the way, while I'm on that topic, uh, be sure to subscribe to the Grid Network on YouTube. It's where my show is, where the uh, shows are from other creators like Barry and Alfred and Ryan and Patrick. All those in incredible guys, great creators, great podcasts. Uh, check that stuff out. Check out uh, the Grid Network on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, that's where you can listen to my podcast as well as those of the other creators that I mentioned. Please go check it out, and please go subscribe to the Grid Network. But all that circling back, I usually wear a hat on the show because sometimes my hair can be kind of difficult. Man, I'd love to be wearing one today, but I can't, unfortunately. Last day of this lost bet, and I'm finally done. I hope you, if, if Chloe, Chloe, if you're listening, I hope that you understand the pain that you've inflicted upon me and the sheer humiliation and sheer embarrassment that you have uh, put on me. It, it's, it's so so unbecoming of you. You're too, you're too good of a person to do this to me. But I got to take it, and I got one last segment to do before I can finally take this thing off once and for all. And it is the favorite segment I do every week. My NFL predictions for Sunday. And folks... I have never, outside of week one, week one, the excitement of week one, it's like Christmas Day. It's like, oh, finally, after seven months, the NFL's back. But outside, there's no excitement that compares to week one. Outside of week one, mm -mm, nothing, compares, nothing compares to this. 
these games, the lines for these games, NFL so good at putting their schedule together, especially how it's materialized thus far through the first half of the season. Oh, these games are so good. I'm telling you, my upset of the week, this is, I have never went out on a limb more on an upset of the week, certainly this season, maybe ever on this show, than I am now. You're going to have to stay tuned for it. Uh, I got a big underdog winning a game this week. And, of course, I will have my favorite segment uh, of all time. Ooh, a bet man. For a bet man, and then I'll have Bryce's bleak bet as well. So, I need to pull up the background music. Hang, hang on, guys. Hang, hang in tight because I got to have the background music to, to enhance the, the experience. Okay, I think I've got it pulled up right here. Okay. All right, so cue the background music. Here we go. Week 11 in the NFL. Before I even predict any games, let me show you uh, how week 10 went for me. Uh, week 10, so I went 8-6, and a little bit of a downer from my 9-4 and four record at the previous week in week 9. Overall, my record, if you include last night's game, which I unfortunately picked the Packers to win, I sit there at 91-58-1, which is a 607 winning percentage thus far through the season. So trying to improve on that, trying to get better. And uh, I feel oh so confident about my picks this week. So let's start with one of the tougher games to predict. The Chicago Bears going on the road to take on the Atlanta Falcons. They are basically saying this is a pick because Atlanta's at home and they are a field goal favorite. Now, Atlanta's been reeling a little bit, okay, because they got to 3-3, three and three, playing pretty good football, okay? They're, 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 they're trying to keep pace with Tampa Bay for first place in that NFC South, but they're really kind of slipping as of late. Since that 3-3 three and three start, they've been 1-3 in their last four games. They have not played good football on either side. Uh, they had a game like against the Chargers that they should have excuse me, that they should have won. Uh, the defense got the turnover, and then on the same play, the defense fumbled the ball away, and the Chargers won the game on a walk-off field goal. So some very winnable games that Atlanta should should have won, but that's kind of the Atlanta Falcons' way, uh, reminiscent of Super Bowl 51. But they host Chicago, who, despite the remarkable play of Justin Fields, he, he's been, over the last five weeks, over the last five weeks, I'm not talking about this season, I'm not talking about in comparison to everybody else, last five weeks, he's been one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL in terms of his what he's done with his arm and especially what he's done with his legs. This Chicago Bears offense running the football, they've been absolutely outstanding in their last four matchups. Against the New England Patriots, the Chicago Bears rushed for 243 yards. Against the Dallas Cowboys, the Chicago Bears rushed for 240 yards. Against the Miami Dolphins, the Chicago Bears ran for 250 yards. Last week against the Detroit Lions, the Chicago Bears ran for 258 yards. Unfortunately for Chicago, they're 1-3 and three in these matchups. And so you've got a road date with Atlanta. And it's desperation time for Atlanta. Chicago knows they're not in the playoffs. Chicago's not making the playoffs. The rest of this season is about the continued develop development of Justin Fields, which thus far has gone great this season. Continue to develop him, put the weapons around him, like what they did the trade deadline with, Jay, with Chase Claypool. Not saying by any stretch of the imagination that they're tanking, because they're not. But this game means a whole lot more for Atlanta. They have the playmakers to, to get it done. Chicago's defense has gotten absolutely torched over the last three games by the likes of Dallas, Miami, and Detroit. I think that will continue. Give me the Atlanta Falcons to beat the Chicago Bears by a final score 
of 27 to 23 to win this game. Uh, they go to five and six. Chicago falls to three and eight, completely out of the playoff picture. Atlanta at least has a pulse, and they keep afloat in that AFC, in that NFC wild card race. Although they will not catch Tampa Bay for the division, I think we all agree on that. Even Falcons fans get with me on that. It is now time for the much anticipated upset of the week. Give me the Cleveland Browns to beat the Buffalo Bills in Detroit. Not in Buffalo because the snowstorms are crazy, but in Detroit, 28 to 23. Bills are an eight point favorite. Don't just take the Bills plus eight, take the Browns to win outright. And here is why. Let me tell you something about the Buffalo Bills, and let me tell you something about one man in particular. His name is Josh Allen. He is one of the great talents that we've seen in this league at the quarterback position. But there's a harsh reality that we have to face over the last two weeks. The Buffalo Bills have lost their last two games. This episode is brought to you by Paycor. Paycor empowers leaders to build winning teams. With Paycor, leaders can recruit, onboard and train employees, set goals, and drive performance. If you're a leader, everyone depends on you. Who do leaders depend on? Paycor. Learn more at paycor.com slash leaders. To the Jets and to the Vikings, number one reason for that is Josh Allen and his below-average play. Since that game against the Kansas City Chiefs, in which he hurdled a guy, led the game when he drive. He has not looked the same since. They beat Green Bay the following, or I'm sorry, two weeks later. But second half offensively is kind of clunky. Allen didn't play well. They couldn't run the ball at all. Defensively, they really struggled against the likes of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Aaron Rodgers did a number on him in the second half. The following week against the Jets. Not, not throwing shade at the Jets because their defense is great. But you get outplayed by Zach Wilson, who we're not even sure is, is the guy in New York. We, we know the Jets' personnel is great. We're not sure if Zach Wilson's the guy, as is, is bad of a decision maker as he is. And he outplays Josh Allen. He leads the game when he drives for the walk for the game when he field goal, not Josh Allen. And then last week, and I said, yeah, it's funny, I'm wearing his jersey today, talking about Dak Prescott. It's a it's I'm telling you, if Dak Prescott had the lead with 40 seconds to go and fumbled the ball at his own one-yard line and it got recovered by Minnesota for a touchdown, he'd have heard about it for the rest of his career. The media would have eviscerated him. Josh Allen, I haven't heard about it since Monday. For Buffalo, for them, this feels like a get-right game. This feels like a game where they... They step in, they say, like, you know, we, we got to win this one, right? Like we've, we've, won, we've lost the last two, and he kind of overlooked Cleveland a little bit. Don't count out the Cleveland Browns. Let's not forget the fact that, what's his name? Uh, 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 oh, my gosh, the Browns head coach. Um, I'm blanking on him right now. Kevin, oh, my goodness, what is his name? Dang, I'm, I'm forgetting the Browns head coach's name. Kevin Stefanski. I'm so sorry about that. Kev, I blanked on Kevin Stefanski. Won the coach of the year two years ago. Never forget the fact that he got Baker Mayfield to the playoffs. And you're seeing the way Baker's playing the last two years, how incredible of a feat that was. Nick Chubb. I don't know if you are you guys are watching Nick Chubb. He's been, once again, one of the best backs in the NFL. He's fourth in rushing. Uh, I'm sorry, third in rushing. And number one in the NFL with 11 rushing touchdowns. Keep in mind about the Buffalo Bills. 
over their last three games, and this to me decides it. They have been awful against the run. 208 yards that the Packers had against the Bills. 174 by the New York Jets. And last week, the Minnesota Vikings, 147. Five yards of carry, six yards of carry, kind of varies. But they are running it down Buffalo's throat. This is going to be a game where they're not going to ask Jacoby Brissett to do too much. This is a game where Nick Chubb expected this to be his game of the year. Weather is not a factor. That is, to me, advantage Cleveland. Upset of the week. Biggest one of the year. Browns beat the Bills 28 to 23. It's also kind of a desperation game for Cleveland, too, because if they lose this, they're three and seven. They got no shot of getting in the playoffs. Browns beat the Bills in the upset of the year, I think. 28 to 23. Moving on to a, a really, really interesting game. I don't know what to do with this one. You got the Philadelphia Eagles going to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. Eagles are seven point favorite. I don't know what to do with this game for a few reasons. Number one, Philadelphia obviously coming off their first loss of the season. A little bit of a short week, and they got to go on the road. It's never, I don't care who you're playing, it's never easy to go on the road and win in the National Football League. But their their number one flaw got exposed and has, and I've been all over this over the last couple of weeks. Their number one flaw has been exposed over the last two weeks. They cannot stop the run. Houston ran all over them, and Washington really ran all over them. And now they got to face Jonathan Taylor and that offensive line. The key for Indianapolis is Matt Ryan playing turnover-free football, not taking a ton of big risks. We know he is not the Matt Ryan that he was even three or four years ago. So, you know, is he washed? Yeah, you can make that argument, but playing efficient football, he's obviously a better option today than Sam Ellinger is after what he, you know, showed out there on the field in his in the his game action. Jeff Saturday is the head coach. I have I might pick Indianapolis if if uh, Frank Wright was still there. But what do we know about these interim coaches? They come in, it's a change of scenery, change of message, and the players buy in for a little while. I'm going to take the Eagles to win this game, but I don't think they cover. Philadelphia wins 30 to 24 over the Colts. But don't be shocked if the Colts win this game. Do not be shocked if the Indianapolis Colts come away with the victory and get to 5-5 five and five and keep themselves alive in the AFC wildcard chase. Philadelphia kind of reeling a little bit. I think their offense will perform up to par. They'll drop 30. Jalen Hurts will respond. A.J. Brown company. They'll run the ball well with Miles Sanders and that great offensive line. Maybe the best offensive line in all the NFL. But I don't see them covering. Change of scenery. Jeff Saturday. You know, again, another desperation game kind of for the Indianapolis Colts. They're pretty big underdogs considering the fact that they're you know, seven-point dogs at home. Eagles win, but they do not cover. It is now time for Bryson's Bleak Bet. is the one game every single week that I have absolutely no confidence in whatsoever, but I pick anyway. This week, what a fascinating one here. You got the New York Jets coming to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. Shout out to the Rocket Fuel Jets podcast. My man, Alfred Parso Jr., please go check out his show. It is great. Big Jets fan, great podcast. New England in this game is favored at minus three and a half, and that, that feels about right. It's like it's almost a pick em. So the Patriots sitting there at five and four, and it's good. By the way, it's good that the Patriots are sitting there at five and four because their remaining schedule, and I've been saying this since the summer, is just awful. It, it is it is so brutal. They got Minnesota. They got Buffalo. I mean, they got so many brutal games down the stretch there uh, for the New England Patriots. You got the Jets 
who next to the team that they share a stadium with, the Giants, have been the shock of the league. Robert Sala is certainly still in the race, although I do think he trails Brian Dable. But Robert Sala is still in the race for Coach of the Year. This Jets defense has been outstanding. Quentin Williams up front, they've been fantastic. And Sauce Gardner, just go ahead and give it to him right now. Defensive Rookie of the Year, unanimous, no debate about it. They've got their new Darrell Revis. He shut down a couple weeks ago one of the best receivers in all of football, Stephon Diggs. Sauce Gardner is a remarkable player. So expect him to, 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 to make a few plays here and there considering how bad New England's receiving core is and how bad Mac Jones uh, has been ever since stepping foot in the National Football League. This is a matchup between two quarterbacks who folks are not playing good football. Zach Wilson is 28th in yards, 32nd in touchdowns. He's thrown five picks. He's 18th in QBR. Mac Jones, on the other hand, is 30th in yards, 32nd in touchdown passes, 23rd in picks, 28th in QBR. This, in terms of quarterback play, folks, this is going to be unwatchable. New England's at home. A fun fact for you. The New York Jets have not won in Foxborough against the Patriots since 2011. So it's been 11 years since the Jets have went into Gillette Stadium and knocked off the Patriots. And most of those games in New England, obviously the majority of those with Brady and Belichick, but the majority of those games have been wipeouts. So, expect the Jets. I mean, I don't know if the Jets players know that. Jets fans, I think, certainly are at least aware of that fact. New England's coming in after you know, you know, a, a, a big win recently, coming off that win against uh, who, who'd they beat? Uh, Indianapolis. Oh yeah, Indianapolis a couple weeks ago. Belichick's off the bye. That scares me a little bit, but so are the Jets. And I have a feeling that Robert Sala's defense is going to force Mac Jones to make more mistakes than Bill Belichick's defense is going to force Zach Wilson to make. It's not a great bet. Don't make a whole lot of money betting against Bill Belichick, I guess, as, as the old saying goes. But I'm going to go with the New York Jets to pull the upset. 27-23 to 23 over the New England Patriots. I didn't buy into New England all this season, so I kind of got to stick with that. It's, the Patriots' schedule is brutal. They got Minnesota. They got the, the Bills twice. They got the Dolphins, the Bengals. It's, it's, it's brutal for the New England Patriots. It's brutal. But in Bryce's bleak bet, give me the Jets over the Patriots coming off of a bye week. Next game, Los Angeles Rams, New Orleans Saints. It is another. We got a lot of these games this week, folks. Another pick'em game. Saints at home, favored by a field goal. Now, both teams have proven to be, especially the Rams, but both teams in general have proven to be pretty massive disappointments. We thought with the receivers that these Saints brought in via the draft and free agency, we thought with how good that defense is, and we thought with two capable quarterbacks, whether it be Jameis Winston or right now Andy Dalton, are capable. Don't screw it up. You know, low-end starter, high-end backup players. You got Alvin Kamara, and it's been a pretty much pretty much a disaster for the Saints. They just lost last week on the road in Pittsburgh. It, it, it's been a rough, rough year uh, for uh, for Houdat Nation. But they're at home. They're in the Superdome against the defending world champion Los Angeles Rams City. They're at 3-6. and six. It appears by all accounts that Matt Stafford, after missing last week's game against the Cardinals due to a concussion, is going to play this week. The bad news for him is that Matt Stafford, the one thing I criticize him the most on is that it's been Cooper Copper bust. If number 10 isn't open, Matt Stafford don't know what to do. Well, number 10's on IR. So he's going to be gone for quite a, quite a while with that ankle injury. So what's going to happen with Van Jefferson out? With Cooper Cup out? You got uh, Allen Robinson, who's been a massive disappointment. 
This is a chance to get away from the Rams quickly. I think I do think their defense gives them a chance. Their defense has played pretty well over the last few weeks. But I'm going to take the Saints at home to win this game by double digits to cover that three-point spread, 26-16. to 16. I simply think the Saints have more offensive firepower. And frankly, as bad as Andy Dalton has played this season, he is all the candle to Matthew Stafford in terms of production. Give me the Saints over the Rams, 26-16. Let's go to the next matchup. Yet another game. That is essentially a pick'em. New York Giants at home favored minus three against the Detroit Lions. Okay. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This was almost my If I Were a Batman game. The reason for that... It's because Detroit finally won a road game. Props to Dan Campbell. Props to those amazing Lions fans. And props to that nitty, gritty Detroit Lions football team. That said, they've won one road game over the last two years, and that came at Chicago. No disrespect to Chicago, Justin Fields, or anything, but it is Chicago. Whereas the New York Giants are sitting there at 7-2, and two, and folks, they've earned it. Are the Giants contenders? Absolutely not. You cannot win a Super Bowl with Daniel Jones as your starting quarterback. I'm sorry. I, I don't trust him in the biggest in the biggest situations against elite teams. We haven't seen that a whole lot this season. I, I, I don't trust him. I do trust Saquon Barkley, though. The job that he's doing. I've, I've religiously said for the last month, he is thus far to me the offensive player of the year. And when you consider that the Giants are top five in the NFL in rushing and the Lions are bottom five in the NFL in rush yards given up, this is a match-up nightmare, and that is ultimately what it comes down to in the National Football League. Give me the New York Giants to cover the spread easily, just like the Saints. I had the Saints by 10 covering their three-point spread at home. I also had the New York Giants covering their spread at home and winning by 10 points, 31-21 to 21 over the Detroit Lions. This, this could be Saquon Barkley's best game of the season, and as great as he has been, this could be his game of the year. Give me the Giants over the Lions, 31 to 21. Moving on to our biggest favorite, you got the Baltimore Ravens who are hosting the Carolina Panthers. Ravens are 13 point favorites. I'm sure when I previewed ups of the week, you thought I might go Carolina. Uh, no, I, I had to go with uh, I had to go Buffalo. So Baltimore's coming in this game, and like I mentioned last last week, couple weeks ago, yeah, it was a couple weeks ago when they beat the New Orleans Saints. Was it last week? Yeah, it was last week again. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was last week against the uh, New Orleans Saints when they went on the road and won that game. I said, Lamar Jackson's playing his best ball of his career. And that's saying a lot considering the fact that he was the unanimous MVP in 2019. This Ravens defense has really come around. Even losing Wheat Martindale, they got off to a little bit of a rough start. But that secondary has been opportunistic. They get off the field on third down. Their front seven is wreaking havoc right now. And he got the Ravens offense despite no Mark Andrews and no true number one receiver just going up and down the field on teams and doing it methodically. Six, seven-minute drives. Killing them death by a thousand cuts. 
as the old saying goes. That's how the Ravens are winning football games on the offensive side of the ball. Meanwhile, for Carolina, we know it's kind of a, a crap show, for lack of a better term. They don't know what the quarterback situation is. You've gone from Baker Mayfield, and then he got hurt, and then it was P.J. Walker, and he played bad. Now they've gone back to Baker Mayfield. They fired the coach. They traded their best player a month ago. It's it's a tire fire right now in Carolina. Uh, I know a lot of people are bringing up the fact that Baker has beaten Lamar in his career. It's kind of hard not to do that in a five-year, I'm sorry, a four-year span when you're playing Lamar twice a year. Differences back then, Baker had a good coach in Kevin Stefanski, a really good receiving core, probably the best running game in the league, and a defense led by Miles Garrett. He don't have that now. And Baker himself has played pretty awful football this season in the games that he has played. Just for context, he's 31st in yards, 28th in touchdown passes, uh, and he's 31st in QBR. Baker Mayfield has played horrendous football this season. Expect this to continue. Maybe the Panthers, led by Brian Burns defensively, make a big play on defense, uh, get out to a little bit of an early start in the game, but the Ravens control late. Give me the Baltimore Ravens to cover this 13-point spread, 34-19. to 19. Only reason I didn't make, make it by a fire betting man game is for the simple fact that, look, <laughs> 13 points is a lot. I get Carolina's bad. Baltimore's really good. 13 points is a lot, even at home. So Ravens win this game 34-19 to over the Carolina Panthers. Moving on to our next, next matchup, almost made this Bryce's bleak bet. It's the Washington Commanders going to Houston to take on the one-win Houston Texans. Washington in this game, a three-point favorite, and they are riding a four-game winning streak. Behind my man, Taylor Heineke. He's playing excellent. I'm sorry, they've won four of their last five. Excuse me. They've won four of their last five with Taylor Heineke. And they played X, three of their last four. Excuse me, I messed up my numbers. Three out of their last four with Taylor Heineke. And I said, Carson Wentz went down. He ain't getting his job back. Okay, is, is Taylor Heineke necessarily better than Carson Wentz? Probably not. But he's a better decision maker. He's better within the offense. And he brings much better intangibles to the table than Wentz ever thought about bringing. That team buys in him. You even see on, saw on the plane, plane ride home. You know, what the Vikings have been doing with Kirk Cousins. You know, with, they call him Kirk Thuggins and Five Chains. And they, they've got him all iced out. They did the same thing with Taylor Heineke. They gave him a, I don't know if that was a Heineken or a Corona or whatever he was drinking on the plane ride home from Philadelphia. But the, the main thing for Washington has been their ability to run the football. And that's the only thing that concerns me, really, for Houston defensively, because Houston defensively has held their end of the bargain. They've done a solid job. It's just their offense has been simply atrocious this season. But if you look at Davis Mills' numbers at home, it's been pretty good. And a Washington defense is still, they were hoping they get Chase Young back this week. They're not. So you're without still your best defensive player. Your secondary has gotten exposed at times. Expect this to be a much tighter than expected. Washington riding in high. They beat the undefeated team. Uh, in the only undefeated team in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles. Give me the Houston Texans in the upset to beat Washington 25-22. to I think this is a game between two obviously limited quarterbacks in Mills and Heineke. Two really good running games. Uh, I don't know why. I just think the Texans have the playmakers to get it done. I think defensively they're in a better spot than Washington is in terms of personnel. Give me the Texans in a little bit, a little bit of an upset to beat the Washington Commanders by a final score 
of 25 to 22. Let's move on to our next game going to the afternoon time window. You got the Las Vegas Raiders and you've got the Denver Broncos. Somehow, make it make sense. The Broncos are two and a half point favorites to win this football game. That is despite no Jerry Judy, no KJ Hamler. They're stuck with Russell Wilson at quarterback. They're in a bad spot right now. And they're stuck with Nathaniel Hackett at head coach. I am not going to sit here and pretend that the Raiders situation is better by any stretch of the imagination. They themselves are in a real bad spot in terms of their head coach. Their starting quarterback, who I defended like crazy last week, uh, and, and, you know, have been defending really ever since he's been a Raider, Derek Carr, hasn't played his best ball by any stretch of the imagination this season. Their defense, once again, has gotten gashed week in and week out. And they're on the road in this game in a pretty tough environment in that altitude. Denver's beat up. They're playing worse football than the Raiders. Listen, both teams lost a lot of games. But the difference here is, A, the Raiders beat the Broncos earlier in the season pretty convincingly. And, and secondly, Raiders lost their games close, which to me points to coaching. Raiders have the talent. That's not their issue. Coaching and quarterback, most important to two spots of a football team in terms of on-the-field production, F for the Denver Broncos. If you look at the Raiders, they lost a close game to the Chargers. They flat-out choked against the, uh, the Cardinals at home. They lost a close game to Tennessee. They they lost a close game to Kansas City. They lost a close game to Jacksonville, and they lost a close game to Indianapolis. Split those, and they're a playoff team. Denver has gotten housed in numerous games by the Titans, by the Jets, by the uh, uh, by the Raiders, as I mentioned. I mean, come on. So in this game, how Seattle? How Seattle? How Denver's favored? I don't get it. Give me the Raiders to win this game easily. 30-20 to 20 over the Denver Broncos. I understand that defense is really good, but folks, there's only so long that, that that defense can hold up. Give me the Las Vegas Raiders to beat the Denver Broncos, get their third win of the season. Obviously, both, season, both team seasons are a wrap, but the Raiders are in a better spot as of today than the Broncos are. They've got the talent. They're just not finishing these games. A lot of that points to coaching. Give me the Raiders over the Broncos. 30 to 20. It is now time for my favorite segment every single week. Yeah, betting man. Hey, we're a betting man. I'm looking at a good old classic AFC North showdown between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cincinnati in this game is a four-point favorite. I love this spread. Okay. A, Pittsburgh's at home. B, TJ Watt is back. And in the games that T.J. Watt has played this season, albeit two games, Pittsburgh's 2-0. Okay, they won one game without T.J. Watt. Kenny Pickett is playing, for the most part, mistake-free football. They're not putting him in positions where he could possibly fail. They've been fairly successful at home against Cincinnati this season, and here's a very, very fascinating stat. Listen closely. Under Mike Tomlin... In games that the Steelers are home underdogs in, Pittsburgh covers their spread 84% of the time under Mike Tomlin as home underdogs. Getting T.J. Watt back, the fact that the line seems to kind of favor the Steelers a little bit, 
Expect this thing to go down. This could be the game of the weekend. It really could. Expect this baby to go down to the very last second. Expect it to come down to a field goal from either kicker. Whether it be Chris Boswell for the Steelers. Or whether it be Evan McPherson for the Bengals. I still... I still like Cincinnati to win this game. I think they win at 24-23. But if I were a bet man, take the Steelers plus four and run with it. Getting TJ Watt back, expect the Steelers to get out to a little bit of a hot start. No Jamar Chase for Cincinnati. Almost thought about picking the Steelers, as you can tell by my final score. But I'm rolling with Joe Burrow. I'm rolling with the weapons that they still do have. The likes of Tyler Boyd and, and Joe Mixon. Hayden Hurst, T. Higgins. They still got a ton of playmakers in the offensive side of the ball and a very opportunistic defense led by Von Bell. Give me the Bengals to beat this. Um, yeah, to beat the Steelers 24 to 23. But if I were a bet man, I am all over Steelers plus four. Now the game that everybody in America is looking forward to. It's not America's game of the week because it's not on Fox, but it's on CBS. The Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings. The most shocking line this week in the NFL to me, and I've been saying this is Monday since I've had to wear this freaking block of cheese on my head. How are the Cowboys favored to beat the, the Minnesota Vikings? I'm not saying that they can't beat Minnesota. I'm not saying that. How are they favored by minus one and a half? Minnesota, A, is at home. B, they got a better record. C, they've got a better road win than the Cowboys had this season. B, they've got a better coach than the Cowboys. E, they've got a better wide receiver, number one receiver than the Cowboys have. Okay. F, they got a better tight end than the Cowboys. G, they have a better number two receiver than the Cowboys have. I mean, I, I don't get it. I, I don't, I don't get it. They got a better record. I mean, what am I supposed to do with this? Here's what I'm looking at. This is a matchup between two quarterbacks who are very familiar with one another. Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins. And kind of the national debate has been, who's the better quarterback, Dak or Kirk? Because you compare their career numbers, and they are literally identical. Completion percentage, yards, touchdown interception ratio, almost identical. And here's what I'm looking at, though, for Kirk Cousins, that he is clearly in the, in the uh, uh, you know, he's not the catbird seat, as the old saying goes, compared to Dak. He's 1-4 against Mr. Prescott. He is 2-8 in his career against the Cowboys. All right? Just to settle also the Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott debate. You know, every, everybody, gosh, the, the stat that just drives me crazy that people bring up. Dak Prescott's 18-24 against winning teams. Yeah. Kirk Cousins is 10-40. Let that sink in. You say Dak's record's bad. Oh, it can't be winning teams. He's six games under 500. Kirk Cousins is 30 games under 500. So stop it. Dak's better than Cousins. And I will tell you this right now. In order for the Dallas Cowboys to beat the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday afternoon in Minneapolis with Jim Nance and Tony Romo on the call for CBS, Dak Prescott will have to play the best game of his NFL career. You heard it here first. If the Cowboys beat the Vikings, it will be because Dak Prescott played the best game of his NFL career. Why do I say that? Lays on the road. B, he's going to have the inferior coach. Who do you trust more, Kevin O'Connell or Mike McCarthy? Look, 
Minnesota was 6-8 and eight last year in one-score games. This year, undefeated. Undefeated in winning in, in, in one-score games. That's coaching. That points to Kevin O'Connell. Give me Kevin O'Connell over Mike McCarthy. You want Justin Jefferson or you want CeeDee Lamb? Yeah, I don't know. You tell me. You, you tell me. Uh, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to take Justin Jefferson. You want Adam Thielen or Michael Gallup? I'm going to go with a guy who's had multiple thousand-yard seasons. I'm, I'm going to go with Adam Thielen. You want TJ Hawkinson or Dalton Schultz? Look at their numbers. Not even close. I, I, I'd probably go with, with TJ Hawkinson. You want Dalvin Cook or Tony Pollard? Well, I'd take Tony Pollard. But Ezekiel Elliott's back this week. And you know what you, you know what comes from the top. Jerry Jones, because he paid Zeke, he's going to tell the coaching staff, because he has been. I mean, we, we see how, how it goes in terms of carries. For whatever reason, despite the undeniable production from Tony Pollard, they still roll with Zeke. So as, as a comment I saw on social media on one of my posts the other day said, and I loved it because it's so true. Hey, Zeke Elliott's back this week. That means he'll go from six yards of carry to three yards of carry. So I'm definitely taking Dalvin Cook over Zeke. So Dak's got the running back disadvantage. Defensively. Now it's kind of a debate there because Dak's got Micah Parsons. He's got Trayvon Diggs. Demarcus Lawrence is is kind of is up in the air. Not sure if he's going to play because he didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday with uh, I think a foot injury. In terms of opportunistic, uh, in terms of making plays at big times, Minnesota's been better than Dallas. So with all that said, Dak Prescott will have to have the best game of his NFL career, and he will. The Dallas Cowboys are going to win this football game 31-28 over the Minnesota Vikings. Again, how they're one-and-a-half-point favorites makes no sense to me because they're not better than Minnesota. Okay, I've, I've been on this since, like, August. I said Minnesota was going to win the NFC North easily and they were going to win a playoff game. I did not think the Cowboys would win a playoff game uh, despite getting in as the NFC East champs, which that's, that's still got a chance of happening depending on how Philadelphia plays. Now Dallas plays. Dallas going to beat Minnesota 31-28. to A, because Dak owns Kirk Cousins, and B, because Dak kind of put the pressure on himself this week. He said, look, this is a playoff game. We, we have to win this game. He put the pressure, as all the great players in sports do. He said, we, he, he said this is a playoff game. we got to win this one. We, we, we need to win this game. Expect Dak Prescott. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to set the bar right here. Here we go. 350 yards. Three touchdowns. I'm not going to tell you no turnovers. I'm not sure if CeeDee Lamb's going to be terrified of contact for the third straight game like he was against the Bears and then twice against the Packers, and Dak throws a pick. So I'm not going to say no turnovers. 350, three touchdowns, and the game-winning drive. I don't know if he's going to need a field goal. I don't know if he's going to need a touchdown. I don't know if it's going to overtime or if it's going to end in regulation. Dak outdoes Kirk Cousins yet again and has the best game of his career. You heard it here first. And I will be saying on Monday, Rain, Dakota, Prescott, did it to him again. Dallas beats Minnesota, 31-28. Last game of the weekend. I thought about making this if I were a betting man. It's another divisional matchup. Kansas City Chiefs, Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, that, will be, that will be a mini Arrowhead Stadium. Because as sad as it is, it's true, there's going to be more Chiefs fans in Los Angeles than Chargers fans because the Chargers are like the Clippers. They have no fan base in Los Angeles. They have no fan base. All, all, majority of Chargers fans still reside in San Diego. 
Kansas City is favored by minus five in this game. Now, I'm going to have part of the reason I didn't have this in my if I were a Batman is because I have so much respect for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. There is no excuse for the Chargers to lose this game. First of all, there's that desperation mode. They lose this, their chances of winning the division, winning the AFC West, slam shut. Back in week two, they were nip and tuck with the Kansas City Chiefs until the pick six by Justin Herbert at the one-yard line that went 100 yards to the house. But they went toe-to-toe with Kansas City, and they always play Kansas City close. Look at Justin Herbert's numbers in his career against the Chiefs. Okay, look at his numbers. Do I have it? Okay, I got him right here. Pass rating of 106. Throws for 293 yards per game. 13 touchdowns, three picks. Okay, Justin Herbert, for whatever reason, loves to play the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City this week is going to be without Miko Hartman and without Juju Smith-Schuster. So Patrick Mahomes, <clears throat> top two wide receivers, gone. Kansas City does not commit to the run. The Chargers always play the Chiefs close. This is a desperation game for the Chargers. No excuse to lose this game. I'm going with L.A., 31 to 27. Give me the Chargers plus five, not just to cover, but to win outright over Kansas City. 31 to 27 and, and, and make for some really big drama in that AFC West. Okay. We thought it'd be really even more interesting with the Raiders, the Broncos. Both teams suck. Both teams' season is over. It is going to be a battle between the Chiefs and the Chargers down to the wire. Give me LA to win this game 31 to 27 over the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night football. By the way, we've got a really good Monday night game, too, in Mexico City. And it's a division matchup, too. San Francisco 49ers, Arizona Cardinals, which I'll predict on Monday's show. But just a, a word of advice. Take all the, take, not all of them. Take most of the underdogs. How many underdogs have I taken this week? Not necessarily to win, but at least to cover. Okay. Uh, one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven. So of the, how many is that? 12. We got 12 games on Sunday. Over half uh, are underdogs that I'm taking to cover. How many are, how many underdogs am I taking to win outright? One, obviously upset of the week. I have to do that. Two, which is Bryce's bleak bet. I got Jets over Patriots. Two, three. Yeah, one, two, th yeah, three. Uh, no, four. Okay, four. Yeah, four underdogs that I think are gonna are, are gonna win straight up. So there you go. I have never been more confident in my predictions than this week. Okay, upset of the week. This could be the upset of the year, not just for the NFL, but for carving it up. Bills over Browns. I'm sorry, Browns over Bills. By the way, good move by the NFL to move that game out of Buffalo. Have you seen the videos? From Orchard Park, from from uh, from the Buffalo Bills Stadium, oh my gosh, Th that would have been unplayable. I mean, the, the snow would have been up to guys like chests. Now they would have obviously done whatever they can, I guess, to get the snow off the field and off to the. Oh my gosh, that you want to talk dangerous? Whew! I love a good snowy game. I do. It is fun to watch. It's not. I, I gotta imagine it's miserable to play in, but it's fun to watch on TV and in your nice, you know, heated home. That would have been unwatchable. I literally, I said, if if that's if if they if they play that game, I got Bills two to nothing. It's gonna be unwatchable. 
But thankfully, smarter heads prevailed. It's going to be played at Four Field in Detroit, where the Bills actually happen to be playing twice in five days. Because they're playing Ford Field in that re relocated game against the Browns, which I think they're going to lose in my upset of the week. And then Thanksgiving, the Lions, who I, I, I'll never understand why the Lions play on Thanksgiving. I, I'll never get that. I get why the Cowboys are because they're the biggest ratings draw in the NFL. Lions, I don't get. I know it's tradition and everything, but man, some traditions don't make sense, folks, <laughs> for being completely honest. But the Bills will play the Lions in Detroit again on Thursday. So my guess is Buffalo probably, the Bills probably aren't going to leave Detroit. What's the point? You fly back to Buffalo and then you fly right back to Detroit? Yeah, I guess you could do that, but I don't know. Save you a lot of air miles. Man, what a week we got in the NFL. What a week also in college football. Uh, obviously, my Vols played the South Carolina Gamecocks. I hate that my man Grady Edwards couldn't be in the comment section today. I'll, I'll try and hit him up, see if we can get like some kind of wager in this game. I don't know if he'll... Uh, he's a Gamecocks fan. I'm not sure he's going to... I'm not sure he's going to bet on his guys to beat the mighty Tennessee Volunteers, the number five ranked in the country. My balls are 22-point favorites. I think they will cover, although it could be a little frisky to start. South Carolina is a tough place to win, but I do think my balls will win without a question. Uh, and I'm going to be, along with Chip and Joanna Gaines and RG3 and everybody who calls themselves a Baylor fan or Baylor alum or Baylor whatever, or if you just like Bears, I don't know. I am a Baylor fan on Saturday against the TCU Horned Frogs. TCU, by the way, on the road in Waco, only a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Look out. Baylor wins this game. TCU's out, and that all but seals Tennessee's spot in the college football playoff, and I will be a very, very happy man. So go Baylor or go whoever TCU plays in the Big 12 championship game. Probably ends up being Kansas State, whoever it is. Rudy, for anybody that is playing TCU. Go Vols. Stay care of our end of the bargain because we if we don't win, we're done. Stay care of our end of the bargain and beat South Carolina. Go Vols. All right. That is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe to the Carving It Up YouTube channel and catch the show Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and Twitter. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Grid podcast network the grid network that is gryd the grid network on youtube and also be sure to like share comment there to find my show on the podcast network along with the all even podcast with barry grant jr along with the chaotic sports podcast with patrick brown along with the rocket fuel jets podcast with alfred parsar jr and clutch sports talk with ryan flowers great shows Great guys, great content. It's all over there at the Grid Network. Uh, and also be sure to catch it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, etc. Wherever you get your podcast is where you can listen to my show on the Grid Network. So be sure to check it out. Now, finally, before I get out of here, I can finally do this. Take this block of foam dairy off my head. Throw it away. I never have to wear that. Trash again on my head. Thank God. I will never forgive my sister for inflicting this upon me. I never will. I never will. And I never have to wear it again. Thank God. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. Please stay safe out there. God bless you all. He's out. Go balls. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.